You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Your preacher has given me an opportunity to, to open my mouth tonight and to speak on missions. The heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of the church. And when the church ceases to fulfill her responsibility, she surrenders her right to exist. The purpose of the church is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ both in Jerusalem, right here where you live, and in Judea and Samaria and the other parts of the earth, three different locations, both simultaneously, where we live and beyond where we live. And it requires missionaries to do that. It's a good thing God didn't call me to be a missionary. I have an ornery streak in me, just a little one. And with uh, intertwined a little bit with sarcasm. And I think it's spiritual. <laughs> but if I were a missionary, I'd organize a union. Because the church can't fulfill the Great Commission without missionaries. And I would form a union and raise the ante a little bit for support. You want our missionaries then treat us like staff on your church. Some look at missionaries as if they are pastors or preachers that can't make it in America. And so they surrender to go to a foreign field. They're preachers in America that can't make it in America. These are not second-class preachers. If anything, they should be our mentors. There are examples of leaving everything that they know and love to fulfill the commandment God has placed on their life. And before God ever said to his church, go ye, before he told his church to give ye, Brother Kitchen mentioned, he said to his people, look at the fields. Those are souls out there. They're white unto harvest. If you haven't noticed, our world today is broken. Yes, sir. Yep. It's failing and people are desperate. The fields are white. And God said to his church, pray ye. Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, pray that ye send forth labors. But let's start with the pray ye part. Because truth of the matter is, most churches don't pray, let alone praying to send forth labors. And so that's why our attention last night was drawn to Luke chapter 18. And if you'd be so gracious to stand with me, we'll read Luke chapter 18, the same passage we read last night, commencing in verse number 35. We're looking at a blind man that obviously had heard of the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah. And we found a man that wasn't what we would call one of the famous people. Uh 
He wasn't one of the rich or the wealthy or the important. He was a handicapped man. He was blind. He was restricted to his home location. And yet this man that didn't have the respect of the village per se, this man got the ear of God. He knew how to pray. And so as a church, we're trying to learn how to pray. And we're going to get lessons from him. Because Jesus said, pray ye. Yes. That's every one of you. Yes. Not pray he. Pray ye. Right. All of you. Verse number, let's pick up in verse 35. And it came to pass that as he, that's Jesus, was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Amen. And we're going to pick up where we left off last night. We learned from this passage that if we're going to pray and see God answer our prayers, even the miraculous, we must learn to pray with passion. When we pray insincere prayers, we're not being honest with God. We, in essence, are treating God like the proverbial genie. We're stroking the Bible or the bottle, hoping God will poof, come out and grant us three wishes. We must be passionate. And when we're passionate, that's our focus. Then we must be persistent. We believe it to be God's will. We know it's, it lines up with the scripture. And we continue to pray. We, we pray without ceasing. As in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, that's a continual asking. Seek, that's a constant looking for. Knock, that's a, a continuous knocking. God says, you keep praying, I'll hear you. Amen. Yes. Now tonight I want to draw your attention to verse 41. Look what he says. And this is going to blow your mind. Think of this. This is God in the flesh, talking to a sinner, a blind man. And he says, what 
wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Do you get that? You know, it's true tonight. If you would just hush the world and quit thinking about what you're thinking about and listen to that still small voice. God asks you, he asked me, what one thing can I do for you? There's numerous examples recorded in scripture that men heard that. Solomon. What wilt thou? What one thing? And tonight I want to teach and preach a little bit, and you know the difference. I want to teach and preach a little bit on a couple more thoughts about pray ye. Father, I'm going to do the best I can, but we all know it's not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit. And unless you visit with us tonight and and unless we hear what the Spirit has to say to us, we will leave leave this room like we came in maybe a little more tired. Father, we desire to see a life change tonight in each and every one of us and in the life of this church. Would you not revive us Would you not raise the support for Brother Kitchen, his wife, and his good kids? My, what good kids. Get them to the field, A-S-A-P. For that soul that is one heartbeat from hell, Listening to the preacher preach tonight, I pray that they wouldn't hear anything but what the Spirit says to them. Ye must be born again. That they would see and understand the gospel and be saved tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The next P that you might want to jot down in your notes in learning to pray for a miracle is the word precise. Don't be vague when you pray. Vague praying is lazy praying. Sometimes we pray vague prayers and if we get answers, they're going to be vague answers. Precise prayers show what we are passionate about. I just can't get over this. Verse 41, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Can I ask you a question tonight, expecting an answer? Do you think this blind man had any other problems in life other than being blind? I mean, if you'd pause for a moment and think, A blind person has problems that none of us have. There's a whole shelf of problems that are added to a person's life when they have no sight. And yet when Jesus asked him, what wilt thou? What one thing can I do for you? He knew what would radically change his life. 
And when we pray for a miracle, it's going to require you and I to do some thinking. Now, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail and, and this be the only thing you catch out of the message. But America is struggling tonight thinking on her own. For two, three generations, we have put our children in front of what we call TVs. And TVs have become babysitters. And now science from the government, forget what God says. We already know what God says. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. But many of you think that's okay because TV is part of the American culture and part of the 20th and 21st century. So it's got to be right. What is everything on TV good for you? Everything good on everything on TV help you to develop your faith? Everything on TV develop morality in your life? Then why do we spend so much time in front of television and more time than we do in God's word? We're being indoctrinated. Even if it's good, clean humor. I, I mean, we love Andy of Mayberry. But think about it. What is that TV show portraying? Everybody's happy, but nobody's married. So the key to happiness is don't be married. Well, I don't know that that's going to ruin that show for you. We'll probably like old Gomer and Goober anyway. But the truth of the matter is television indoctrinates us. It's not just entertainment. It's entertainment with a purpose. And some of you can say, well, I only watch Fox News because that's coming off the typewriters of heaven. Now, young people, typewriters <laughs> is what your parents used before computers came, so understand that. Fox News is entertainment targeting a certain group of people. I'm not denying some of the facts that are stated, but you mark it down, it's entertainment. We're being manipulated. And not only that, but science tells us the more screen time you have, the more you dumb down the brain. Brilliant people don't waste time watching television. Wealthy people don't waste time watching television. And yet, it's just something that's common and normal for the average fundamental independent narrow-minded King James only red-letter edition, no fun, Baptist church. You want to pray for a miracle? You've got to stop and think. Yes, sir. What one thing, what one thing would radically change your life? Well, I wish my wife would change. Yeah, like that's going to set you free to be a soul winner and read your Bible and be a great Christian? There have been others that have had worse thorns in the flesh. Sounds more like a self-centered, pleasure-seeking prayer. Now, I'm not against having a godly mate. Don't misunderstand me. I'm trying to help you think a little bit, so don't get, don't get your feelings ruffled. What one thing, what one thing would change your life? Have you ever considered what's on our prayer lists? How much of it is spiritual and how much of it's physical. Yes, sir. Right. That's true. We got a couple of grandchildren. I mentioned that, 11 of them. I thank God we only got 11. 
They love to come to our house because Lori, and I love this. This reminds me of Toy Story. <laughs> but you got a friend in me after tonight. <laughs> and Lori is, Lori is uh, she is thrifty. She, I mean, she is, she is a coupon shopper. And if you don't know what that is, count your blessings. <laughs> She'll go and she carries a suitcase of coupons in and they're filed, they're organized. And when she goes into a checkout lane, I go into a different lane. I'm not going in there. I don't know that lady. And God forbid the cashier doesn't know this is double coupon day or double day. And oh my word, cashiers are often, ma'am, just take the stuff. We'll write it off as shoplifting. (laughs) But because of her thriftiness, she has what we call Mimi store downstairs. I mean, she's got shelves of stuff, and, which enhances her being a wonderful hostess. When company comes over, she can decorate, she'll give gifts. And when our grandchildren come over, she's always got a prize for them. Well, who wouldn't love someone that's always giving you stuff? I mean, and I refuse to go down that path. I'm not going to buy my kids' grand, uh, my kids. Love, man, if they can't love me because I'm cool. I tell our grandkids, hey, how many of your friends have a grandpa with a cool handlebar mustache? I'm not buying your love, man. Go see your grandma. I finally cave under pressure and I decided to take a couple of them out and I say, all right, Papa, Today I'm babysitting you and I'm going to take you out. We're going shopping. Oh, Papa, we ain't going shopping. Yeah, we're going shopping. I'm going to take you shopping. Oh, Papa, we're not going shopping. I'm taking you shopping and I'm going to buy you anything you want in the store. Anything. Just one thing. So don't ask for two or three. But I'll buy any one thing you want. in the Really, Papa? You're not going to buy us anything. Yeah, anything. Just one thing. I'm not buying you two or three. Just one thing. Papa, we ain't going shopping. We're going shopping, man. Let's go. We're going to Dollar Tree. And so I take them. Take them to Dollar Tree, and you know how that firstborn is. I mean, they march in, and they're looking at everything. And are, are you, you want, the, do you see anything you want? No, Papa, no, Papa. Uh, you want to go, nope, 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 nope. Papa, that's what I want. That's what I want. I've always wanted one of those. Are you sure? I mean, we haven't hardly gotten through the store. You, you can look through the entire store, pick anything you want. No, Papa, this is what I really want. This is what I've always wanted. Well, you sure? I mean, we can always come back here. No, Papa, this is what I want. Okay. And pull it down and hand it to him. Ask the second born. You want one of these? No. All right, well, let's look. Second born coolly walks down the aisles. <laughs> See anything? Nope. Got to watch that second born. You know what the secondborn's looking for? Secondborn's looking for what the firstborn wished they had. (laughs) If you have multiple children, you understand. So we go down. You see anything you want? No, Papa. All of a sudden, firstborn. Papa, I want this. I want this. you, You already asked for something. No, Papa, this is what I really, really, really want. But I thought you said you wanted. No, Papa, this is what I was praying for. 
I didn't know they had that in the store, and I really want this. Well, you got to take the other back then because I'm only getting you one thing. Okay, okay, Papa. They run and take back the other item and come back. Are you sure this is what you want? Yes, Papa. Okay, you got it. Second born. You want one of these? No. We continue on down through the store, and finally that second born, Papa, that's what I want. You sure you want one of these? Yeah. That's what I like. Okay. Firstborn. Papa, that's what I want. He knows that's what I want. I want that. No, no, no. You've, you've already said two other things. I mean, I don't really care, but you said you were praying for that. But I didn't know they had this. This is what I want. But I've already got you something. I don't want this. I wonder if that's how Christians pray. God, this is what I really want. You sure? How's that going to change your life? Oh, Papa, I've always wanted this. Well, what one thing can I get you? What would change your life? What would set you free to worship and to please your God? That's what you want. And then you hear someone else in the church gets an answer to prayer. And you actually resent the very thing God gave you because you want what they got. We pray and we don't even know what we really want. Now, I say that to an American church audience because we're spoiled. And whether you agree this is true of your life, we are saturated by the culture of our country. And even though we preach against health, wealth, gospel, back in our mind, we think because we're American Christians, we deserve more. And when we say more, more stuff. Yeah, you're right. What one thing would change your life? What one thing would enable your church? to explode reaching not only this part of your country or state, South Dakota, but be able to reach the world. Isn't it sad that we have to even think for a moment, can we take on another missionary? Come on. There ought to be a host of God's people Praying with precision, dear God, what I want to be able to see three new missionaries added on. Listen, folks, we don't have a wealthy church. I come to your church here and see this beautiful auditorium. And it's, I, I tell God privately, it's just not right that Pastor Jet has an auditorium like this. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm a far better preacher than he is. And, Look at the place we're in. 
And then God says, well, he needs all the help he can get. <laughs> oh, okay, just joking. <laughs> I have three members in my church, and we give good to missions, and we don't have wealthy people. For the last 10, 15, 20 years, 10, 15 years, well, $9 million in the last 30 years out of a church that runs about 300 and now 200. Last year they gave 330,000. Praise the Lord. And that's with no wealthy people. We might say there's two guys that got good jobs. But you know and I know that's not tipping God. That's not Pepsi money. You don't give like that unless you really believe in God and really love God. I have three members that work part-time jobs. They give to faith promise and they give, they give abundantly in faith promise. But up and above their faith promise... They work part-time jobs and every penny they make from their part-time job, they give in addition to their faith promise missions. Amen. And I got word of who one was and I went to him and asked him, good friends, we have good relationship. I was not breaking confidence. And I went to him, I said, what in the world are you doing? Why don't you just raise, why don't you sacrifice something in your life to, why would you want to work a part-time job so that you can give more money? I mean, I, I commend you, but man, isn't that a, a tough thing to do? Preacher, I've always wanted to be a missionary. And I can't, and he can't. But he's a soul winner in his Jerusalem. So I want to give God a piece of my life. So I go to work for nothing in it of myself. In fact, I lose money because I pay taxes on it. But everything I make, the gross amount, I give in addition to my faith promise that I give out of my normal job. So when I'm laying on the couch watching Monday night football, he's working so that he can send missionaries to the field. Wow. You know what that's doing? God, one thing, if you could give me another job, if you could enable me to give more to missions, that's what I want. Pray ye, go ye, give ye until we have a revival in prayer we'll never see a revival in world missions when we pray for God to do something miraculous in me in my giving in my going then we'll see something miraculous in missions we need to be precise when we pray. Amen. Could I give you one more thought and then I'll just put the cherry on it tomorrow night. 
And if it's tomorrow night, I'm going to have a little fun tomorrow night. And if fun is not your game, stay home. But don't you dare watch it on TV, you stalker. <laughs> if you're able to be in the house of God, you ought to be here. Hallelujah. That's right. Let me give you the next thought. We need to pray with positivity. Positivity. Look in verse 42. Jesus said, thy faith has saved thee. Now, some people don't care for this word positivity because, because of what the culture has done with that word. That if I have a positive mental attitude, if I think positive thoughts, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I have dreamed for years that I can dunk a basketball, but I'm here to agree with whoever said it, white men can't jump. And I'll add this one, old white men can jump. I can dream and think positive. The only way I can slam dunk it is turning the crank on my basketball hoop and get it down to six feet. And then I can jam a basketball, hallelujah. Positivity may not strike your fancy as a synonym of faith. But you can't have faith and not be positive. The crowd that's always downing at how, man, our, our world's going to hell in a handbasket. Google it, young people. It's an old people's phrase. <laughs> America, there's no hope in America. What, did your God die? As bad as America is, have you ever read the history of Nineveh? And a backslidden preacher was used to bring revival to a nation that's far worse than America is today. Now, we might match them pretty soon. We're getting there. But there's still hope for America. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. We're trying to learn to pray. And when we pray, we must pray with faith. We're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We can't please God without faith. Faith is important. And we can't pray without it and see the miraculous happen. I love how the old timers phrased things and said things. They said so much in one sentence. And I know me, it takes me a lot of sentence to say one thing. A.W. Tozer said, unbelief is actually perverted faith. For it puts its trust not in the living God but in dying men. That's potent. It is. Yes, sir. Can I repeat that? Yeah. Unbelief is actually perverted faith. For it puts its trust 
not in the living God, but in dying men. Folks, faith is incredibly important. May I remind you, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And people that have not seen God answer a prayer will come and, and have said to me, but what does that verse really mean? It means what things soever ye desire. When ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. It doesn't take a lot of faith. Jesus said if you had as much faith as that of a little mustard seed. And folks, that's a little seed. You'd have the ability to transplant a tree from here into the middle of the ocean. You could move a mountain and completely have it annihilated. Faith. Now faith isn't something that you work up. Faith is a gift of God. I'm going to give you two, two thoughts on how to increase your faith. Number one, remove the world. Remove the world. We don't hear much preaching today against sin. And it's really funny to me. We've been in a lot of good churches this year. And I'm not talking about the pastor and the staff. They're all right down the line, right where they ought to be. But I, I, I like to hang out in the lobby. And in the bathroom, and it's not just because I'm old, but, you know, I'm just saying, I, that's where you hear the real talk. And <clears throat> so many people talk more about COVID, which is deadly, which is contagious. There's more talk about COVID and more fear about COVID than sin. Sin is more deadly. It kills everyone. It's more contagious. It's more divisive than COVID or any other virus that comes our way. In fact, whether you agree with it or not, you may not agree with it, but we'll go into the stores and we keep a mask ready because we don't want to be a stumbling block. We're not there to pick a fight. We don't give a flip with it. Uh, if, by the way, I don't want to die of COVID because of what I understand, the pain and the suffering and being isolated. I don't want to die. I don't want to die of COVID. But if I die, guess what? I go to heaven I'm going to heaven. That's one of the joys of being saved. But I'm not going to live my life in fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And if you're governing your life by fear, some people think uh, a scaredy cat is something. No, fear is when you, when you actually change your worship and your godly living 
because you're afraid what man can do to you. We tell our kids, you tell your kids, you're safer heat, you're safer in a, a third world country in the will of God than here out of the will of God. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. They say they can document, are you listening? They can document 13 Christians die every day for their testimony of Jesus Christ. That's documentation. They're saying there could be hundreds around the globe that are being martyred for Christ today. And you wonder why they look at America as a pseudo-Christian nation? A Disneyland Christian where we suffer and sacrifice for nothing? They risk their life to go to church. And in some countries a little more advanced that are just as evil. They risk their livelihood, meaning are the equivalent of our Social Security and Medicare. They lose that plus their children and even the third and fourth generation if they're caught assembling. And today in America, Christians go to church when they feel like it, yep. when it's convenient, yep. when everything's safe. And our brothers and sisters risk their life just to go. Are they making a political statement? No. They just love God more than they love themselves. Whatever happened to if I die, I die. My God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're not bowing the knee to the governor. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust in him. Amen. Remove the world. How do we get so much world in us? Again, let me just challenge your thinking a little bit. How much TV do you listen to every day? You're being indoctrinated. How much Bible are you reading every day? We've got to remove the world. It has an impact on our Christian lives. Isaiah says, God's hand is not shortened that he can't reach out to you. His ear isn't heavy, clogged up with wax. That he cannot hear you. He said, well, I've prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. It's not that God doesn't have the ability to reach out where you're at. It's not that God's getting old and can't hear you anymore. He says, but there's some sin. There's transgression." come between us and the last few words of that verse say that he will not hear you see American Christians think well how can God do that he's supposed to hear me when I cry unto him who else are we supposed 
you're never going to dictate to God when and where. You get saved and what he can do for you. Pride is repulsive to God. In fact, the good book says on several occasions, God resists the proud. What do you mean he resists the proud? Remember when Jesus said, you deny me before men? I'll deny you before my father. What's he talking about? He's saying, I've asked you to do some things. But if you deny me before men, there'll come a day you'll ask me to do some things. And I'll deny you before my father. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You've got to remove the world. You can't live in habitual, known sin and strut into the throne room and ask God for the keys to the car. Secondly, we've got to read the word. Now that should be a no-brainer for those of us in a fundamental, independent, narrow-minded King James only red-letter edition, no fun Baptist church. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You don't decide when and where you're going to believe. Faith is a gift from God. And faith is germinated from God's word. That's why we teach and preach the word of God. I haven't won hundreds of souls to Christ because of my charismatic personality or my cool mustache. I've led hundreds to Christ because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yes, sir. You want your faith to increase Get in the book. It just, it's a byproduct. It just happens without your conscious mind even realizing it. You just believe God because of the hearing of God's word. Most of us can tell tell the starting lineup of our favorite sporting team. I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. and, And I know some of you are going, ooh, and all that. Well, I understand. I can take it. And most of us can tell you the starting line of our favorite sporting team, but we can't tell you the 12 apostles' names or the eight Beatitudes or the Ten Commandments or the 39 books of the Old Testament or, or the 27 books of the New, let alone, quote, scriptures. And yet we'd be the first to say we love God's word. I'm trying to reason with you I'm not condemning. I'm not criticizing. I'm trying to reach out to good people. Nobody comes out to church on Thursday night for a missions conference unless their hearts are desiring to please God. I'm trying to appeal to that crowd to think a little bit. We give our money. We give our time. We give our energy. We give our talent to that which we love most. 
By their fruit you shall know them. And I'm saying, we need to get back to getting in this book. Well, I've read it through. So have I. Well, I've read it through multiple times. So have I. And those of you that have read it through multiple times, you have to come to this conclusion as I have. I've read it through and there's times I read a verse and I'm thinking, wow, when did God put that one in there? I've read this chapter before. I've preached from this chapter. This verse was not in here three years ago when I preached from this text. How can you read that and not see it? Because God's word is alive. And he knows right where you live and right where you are. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scriptures in your heart, in your mind, at the precise time you need it. And it will grow faith. Just like that. Then you won't be needed to someone to try to encourage you and come on, let's raise up our offering. No, you get in the book, you learn to pray. God will do the miraculous in your own life. Amen. And you'll be wondering, why don't we triple our offering every year? Mm. You know what that comes from? A life of faith. We need to be precise. We need to pray with positivity. And that is faith. Now, if you desire to see your prayer life go up a notch, then let's pray with passion. Let's pray with perseverance. Let's pray with precision. Let's pray with positivity. Jesus said to this audience, hey, is there lost people out here? Do you see them? Do you see the military need? Do you see the world where billions are going to hell? Pray ye. So I'm going to ask you tonight, let's gather at the altar. And some might say, well, I can pray right here. You do it your way. But I'm going to ask for the church. Let's unite as a team, as a family. And as close as we possibly can be the front pew, second pew, around the altar. Let's, let's let this house be known as a house of prayer. Yes, sir. Let's humble ourselves and kneel before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and pray. Father, I've done the very best I can And I'm still amazed today that you loved me, that you called me to preach and allowed me to be in such wonderful churches all over our country. I pray that you would revive this church. That this church 
would become a powerhouse of prayer. And that would be evident in the miracles that take place here. Not just this Sunday, but even in the weeks and months ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.